You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, mental health, and the fleeting sense of sanity, worth, and dignity that we all chase under capitalism. We talk about trauma, we talk about art, we talk about spiritualism, we talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and the mirage of meritocracy. Each week, artists, designers, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people. Join me, Brad Pearson, in a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed? With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst. Do you want to confide about the darkness inside? Come and talk about it on Self Worst. Hello! Yes, it's another exciting edition of Self Worst. This week, I am talking to comedian, actor, and filmmaker Brian Emund. He's got a movie coming out, guys, this Friday. That's going to be May 7th, uh, 2021. If you're listening to this in the future, you can just go back. It'll probably still be there, unless we're all dead. Then I don't know how you're listening to it. But anyway, it's coming out this Friday. I already saw it because I'm cool like that. And it's really funny, so you should watch it. Watch it. It's stream. It's on demand. You're, you got the internet. I know you do. You're listening to a podcast right now. So, oh, I just got a text. <laughs> Look, we're doing this live. We're doing this live. Um, watch the movie. It's really funny. It's a it's a breezy, funny little movie. Um, makes fun of a lot of. Uh, you know, just uh, tropes and cultural bullshit that we have to deal with as millennials. Uh, deals with a lot of our our own. God damn it! Who's texting me? My phone's all the way over there. It's and it's charging right now. This is why it's across the room. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go back. I'm not gonna go back. I'm the captain of this ship, and I say, go watch this movie. Fifteen things. You didn't know about Bigfoot. Number one will blow your mind. That's the title. It's like a clickbait title. Get it? You'll get it once you see the movie. Anyway, this was a really fun talk. Um, he, so Brian, yeah, we, we this was a good, this was cool. Cause he, I didn't know him before. I'd never met him before. I hadn't said a word to the guy. And we just plunged right in. I turned on the Zoom. I said, hi, can you hear me? I can hear you. I can see you. And then we just started talking and we just went. It was very, it was, he was so down. He was so down to just like roll with the punches, talk. What a pro. It was great. This went really well. He said something, not, I don't want to spoil anything, but just stay tuned he says something about uh, disability and able-bodiedness near the end of the interview that really I've been thinking about all week. I don't want to ruin it, but it's fucking, it's great. It's a real truth bomb. 
it's an epic truth bomb to use 10 year old internet lingo anyhow that's about all i got look uh uh patreon.com slash self worst i'm gonna plug that up front please rate and review on itunes give us a give us a rating give us a little you know take take a couple minutes do it while do it on your phone while you're watching the movie maybe but i mean pay attention to the movie but you know i know you won't i know you won't actually pay full attention you can be on your fucking phone watching the fucking movie in your house so if you're gonna do that take a minute go over to itunes like and subscribe and you know uh give us a rating that'd be cool anyhow that's two birds one stone that's efficient that's how we do it as millennials. All right. That's about it. Let's go to the interview with Brian Eamond. Cool, man. Uh, good to meet you. Um, yeah, nice to meet you, too. I just watched the movie, um, the, the, like, this morning. <laughs> I had to cram. Yeah. Um, it was really funny. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Uh, so was this your was this your first movie? Your first uh, feature, anyhow? No, I had done. Well, I guess I have done like a feature, like in college. I had done like a couple features, but uh, and I say but because like I'm not even certain if a couple of them got released. Like I remember shooting them, and right. I was very much at a place where I was just like yes to everything. Yeah. And it was just a group of dudes shooting some movies in Cincinnati. So who knows if they really ever came out. So I would say, like, experience outside of, you know, small roles, like maybe here and there on, like, another movie. This is the most time I've ever spent, I would say, on a real movie. Right. Um, you're based in Atlanta, right? That's right. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about that. I don't really know anything about Atlanta other than, I mean, like, Outcast. That's about all I know about the place. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely the best part. Um, still, you've you know you don't you don't need to know a whole lot more than that. You're you're functioning with just the knowledge of Outcast. That works. But uh, I think there's a lot of people. You know, it's it's really changed because I grew up here too, and growing up here, I guess I don't know. I guess the mindset of the city was that it was maybe something closer to like at the time in the 90s, maybe something like a Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And that's not to diss or put down any of those cities, just size-wise and how big the city felt and its name, it felt like maybe comparable to like, say like a Cleveland or like a Midwestern city. Right. And then I grew up in the suburbs and then I went to college and then I moved back. And then I, by the time I moved back, this was around like 2011, I think. And they had like had record growth like three years before that. So this place that was sort of, you know, New York or like Atlanta was always like very like popular for like, uh, like, you know, hip hop modeling, Mm -hmm. uh, photography, a lot of industries like that. But, uh, it just exploded sort of with young people around this like 2011. I think there's some stats that are like nuts. Like it just, became that, I don't know if you ever heard the stats about like Austin, people are like, it's 15 people a day. Yeah. Or something like that. It's like, it was like one of those, it was like nine people a day sort of thing. Uh, so it was just so different. It's, and a lot of people have moved here because of the acting and because of the film, I think mostly because of the film 
industry side of it, like specifically people working in lighting, sound, production, yeah. ad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really blown up as a production hub. I mean, I think they shoot Walking Dead there, do they not? Yeah, um, yeah. And a bunch of, like, Hollywood productions shoot there all the time. Yeah. Um, and they shoot, uh, I think Alton Brown is from the area too, isn't he? He is. I used to work at, so I worked at a kiosk in the mall uh-huh. in Lenox. And, you know, once a month-ish, you'd see Alton Brown strolling by to, you know, promote, he's promoting something or, yeah. you know, you'd see him just strolling down the mall and you're like, there he is. That's Alton <laughs> Brown. Um, wow. I'm on the clock, so I'm not going to go say hi. <laughs> right. Right. Um, talk a little bit about uh, sort of growing up, uh, you know, in Atlanta and being, you know, sort of an artsy kid before, I assume you were an artsy kid before it was sort of the thing to be, like before the arts sort of came to Atlanta. Yeah, I was I was very lucky as a kid because there were a lot of programs, I think, in our schools that like made attempts to get kids trying to do what I was doing into the right place. Uh, like I was, I went to a middle school, the same middle school that my, like a private middle school that my siblings went to. And it was just assumed, you know, it had like a Catholic background. My mother loved that. And it was like a very small school. Like that was what she wanted. And I just hated it. And then I decided to audition for this magnet art school that existed in Cobb County. And uh, my friend like kind of dared me to do it. And I had kind of wanted to do theater, but I didn't really consider it realistic. You know, I was going to like a Catholic school pretty much. And uh, I auditioned and got in. And I mean, I was like, I got in, it's amazing. The secret is that pretty much all boys get into art schools because at that age, all boys are like being steered towards like sports or skateboarding or doing something like that. So the, like when boys audition and they're like, I'd like to dance, they're like, get in here. So all boys make it in. I was like, I did it. And then like, I got in there and I was like, oh, we all got in. Every guy got in. Right. But uh, it was awesome because we got uh, just a lot of, I mean, the, I think that, the short of it is that there's a lot more money going to a magnet school for arts stuff like that and you know just that money means something it means awesome facilities it means more teachers it means we get to put on like we got to put on these crazy productions go on these trips and just really dive into like theater and musical theater and all these arts in a way that a lot of students don't have the chance to and I, I don't know, I'm sure someone could debate me on how like fair or unfair the magnet system is, but I can say that it benefited me tremendously. Right. It was huge. Um, so you grew up Catholic? Oh, yes. Uh, my mother is, uh, yes, my mother is Catholic. My father is too, but I think it's like pretty typical of a lot of Catholic families that like the mother is very Catholic and the dad's like, yeah, yeah, we go to church or whatever. It's, right. You know, We'll go because we have to. Um, so my mother is like devout, um, much more, yeah, the, the most devout, I would say. Um, Did that have um, sort of an impact on you and in, in your upbringing or? You know, I didn't think so for a while. And then I, it really dawned on me when I met someone else, like when I started to realize that other Catholic people had a, a, a general worldview that was similar to mine. Like when I was say like 25, 26, like I started noticing that I was like, oh, we like my friend pointed it out really well. Uh, He was like, yeah, you can tell kind of who else is Catholic in the room 
because they just think absolutely everything is complete bullshit. Like anyone comes up to them and approaches them about anything. And you're like, yeah, you're probably full of shit. This could be a scam. I don't trust you. Like just a general (laughs) distrust of everything. And I was like, yeah, that is pretty one for one because I found that I was relating to someone really well. And I was like, wow, I really have, I'm really becoming friends with this person. And then like six months in to meeting a, a friend or something, I'd be like, are you Catholic? And they'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, I knew it. I knew we were connecting on something. <laughs> right. Cause I mean, cause you have to see through sort of the, I guess the bullshit of the, um, you know, I mean, of, of the church, honestly, I mean, like yeah, I, I am yeah. not, uh, <laughs> I was not raised in any t- kind of, you know, I was raised Unitarian, which is sort of like the opposite of Catholicism. Um, so, you know, it was almost taught to us in Sunday school, just like be skeptical of, what people are telling you is so important about God and all of this stuff, because, you know, what's the phrase? Uh, today's religion is tomorrow's mythology. You know, like that, yeah. you know, there were, there were people back in the day who thought that like literally Zeus was a real guy who, you know, would smite you and shit and like would send yeah. down like a, a demigod to like come fuck your wife or whatever, you oh, know? Somebody and, was like, that star will be there at this time. And then people were like, holy shit, he's right. Yeah. And they're like, this dude, this dude talk, can talk to God. He knows where the stars are going to be. Yeah. It's, it's insane. I mean, just thinking about churches and how, you know, if you're, if you put yourself in the, uh, headspace of like a medieval peasant and, you know, you've been living in like a dirt hut for your entire life. And then you go into a cathedral and it's this, the biggest building you've ever seen. And there's glass that seems to glow in the sunlight and has pictures on it. And like your, your voice echoes through there. Like, of course you're going to think that it's somehow connected. Like the people who run that building are somehow connected to God. So you've got nothing else. I mean, I think it must've been, it must've been impossible for that first wave of people to understand that the world was round and that we were like a sphere so that because that must have just been so breaking to like your values and logic you're like no we do this so that we do this so that we go to this place and this is how we do things mm-hmm. and then to be like no 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 you're actually it's you're so small and then to like tell that to like you know someone in the 15 1600s like around whenever that time it is that they were discovering that I can't imagine how stressful it must have been to be like, oh, man, like just to grasp the meaninglessness. I mean, and I don't want to like get like that down meaninglessness, but like to grasp that you are small. We do it now and we're like, we're spinning on a rock. But like, oof, it must have been tough when you were like, man, I really thought there was only God just yesterday. I mean, it it answers it. It it answers a, a important calling in the human condition to make you feel like you know you're important and you matter in some way when in fact you don't and like you know and and so like we want to i mean of course you want to feel that way because like you know like atheists and agnostic people like you know they get depressed and i think that that's something that like evangelical christians like to point out is just that like well Mm -hmm. if they're so right about everything why are they so sad all the time it's like because i know what's going on Cause I know, just, cause I yeah. know the truth and it's depressing. I'm sorry. Again, I know well, it. Yeah. To, to grasp the idea that, um, you know, I don't want to like, like, I know that there's like the idea of like the atheist who's like always like telling people like, Oh, it's all bullshit. Just, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily 
one, I don't know a lot of people like that. Right. No, they're I'm they're glad. just as annoying. Yeah, and I'm glad I'm not in that circle, luckily. That's nice. But, like, I also think it's a thing. I'm like, look, if this isn't something you want to grasp onto, I can't encourage your mind to, like, I don't want to encourage someone to grasp onto, like, that it's mostly oblivion. That, like, it's mostly just darkness and, like, it's mostly just space. Like, most of this is just plasma in between planets and like i don't want to like force someone because it it can be it can be really depressing especially to like dwell on it because you're like i have no choices i cannot affect anything and you know just one small asteroid one weather pattern and gone yeah um it's hard not to it's hard i think you know to, to to i think i think atheism can become very unpopular because how do you package this? I try to think of it as like a people first message. Yeah. Like I try to think of like, maybe these things do exist. Maybe Zeus is real. Maybe they all are, but they're just not doing stuff right now and they're not helping us. So I think we need to spend all of our time helping ourselves as much as we can because we're really good at solving our problems. And I feel like that's the most positive, ver- not, I don't, I don't want to say positive because I don't want to like, rosy it up unnecessarily but i find that the most like translatable or the lightest message i can give someone about atheism or that mindset is that like we can do so much with us now like we can turn this into heaven if we really put our minds to it right so we just got to focus it's gonna be so hard (laughs) it yeah it's i mean it's it's proven to be pretty much impossible uh (laughs) thus far has not you know any type of utopian society doesn't really work out so hot um did you ever buy into any of the catholicism the god stuff absolutely yeah um yeah yeah I, i would say i bought into it like bought into it Actually, here's how I bought into it. Though. It was it was a very weird like acknowledge. I and it, and, it, and it affected me later on because I realized that I was sort of doing this this behavior later on in my life. I was I never believed in any of it from like a very young age. I questioned it and in like a very simple way thought, okay, it's imaginary. I get it. I get it. And faith is just saying over and over to yourself that this truth is a lie. And if we truth is a lie ourselves, we'll maybe we'll win, or I, I don't really understand. Like, I don't think we'll get to heaven, but like, I, I, maybe we could if we lied to ourselves enough. Like, that's how I felt, and I couldn't, put, I couldn't put words to that until I was much older. Because as a kid, I wasn't thinking like, this is all bullshit. I was just kind of going, huh, as a kid right. a lot. And like, just like being like, uh, like a lot. And then eventually I was like, okay, I get it. Faith is just going along with it. I got it. That's right. Just go along with it, play along and you'll be a real faithful guy. And then when I realized that like a lot of people were really, really buying it when we got older, I got kind of afraid because I was like, right. You know, we're all a bunch of fakers, right? And people right. were like, no. I was like, what What do you mean, no? Are you guys kidding me? We're really doing this? Like, guys, I thought I thought it was, like, a lot of, like, like really in-depth make-believe that we were just going hard in on. Are we seriously doing this? And people, like, the entire group around 
the at least in the church was like, <clears throat> yes, yeah, we are. No, there are seriously, literally grown up adults who believe in the devil and hell was, and shit. It's crazy. Yeah, like, and here's the thing: is that my mom is very faithful, and she wasn't this way. So it confused me a lot. Like, she's very open-minded to science. Like, right. does not necessarily say, like, I can, like, she cannot say, I know that God exists. Like, she understands those concepts, like, is an engineer. So she's sort of, like, yeah. lives in both worlds a little bit because she can't really, you can't really do both all the time, I think. Some people maybe Those people, yeah, I know, I've met people like that. I had, like, biology teachers and shit who were, like, devout like creationists and they would say things like you know like i am required by the department of education to tell you about evolution but i don't think that it's real for the record and i was just like then why are you studying this why is this a thing like what what are you doing yeah like, it's it's a weird place to be like you know you're living your life like it feels like you're living your life acknowledging that these are fables and that's okay like no one is being like everything that Buddha did is exactly as they, like, there's a lot more, like, yeah. a lot less literal interpretation of these things. And not to say that <laughs> Buddhism is, any, not that any, that one religion is any better than the other, uh, really. But, like, it's just, there's a lot more, I guess, figurative interpretation, or say less literal interpretation, which, like, even that's what my mom taught me. And when I learned that people were being like, oh, no, we're going, we're going by the book on this, I was like, oh, I can't. <laughs> Yeah. There's no way I can keep this up. One of my Absolutely best friends not. in high school, uh, I, I didn't know until I'd like already like bonded with him quite a lot until you know that he was fairly like devout Christian. And like I was just like, wow, that's I mean, like really? Cause like we you know, we talk about jerking off all the time and we listen to Green Day and we're like <laughs> weird like you know, like like punk kids who like jackass and like you know and, and he was just like, Yeah, but I mean like you know, I've, I've always been religious and it gives something to me. And so like, my question to him was like, do you literally believe in like Noah's Ark? And he was like, fuck no. Like it's, it's a fable. It's a story. It's a lesson. Yeah. And like, it's giving you some sort of morality, you know, and that's it. And like, I was like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. You know, but like, he still like would go to church every Sunday. And I think he still does. Yeah. I can get behind that interpret like that interpretation. I'm like, I understand where you're coming from on this. Like, yeah. I understand, like, I think how you're getting there, what you're getting out of it. It's not for me, but, like, I can, I see your journey and I understand it a little bit more. But just, <laughs> just believing it word for word, I'm like, but what if we did this? You guys, you guys call them nerds when Dungeons and Dragons do this. Yeah. But, like, when they're believing in there, like, when people are LARPing, you make fun of them. But how is this different? This is. Like, you yeah, guys are just really believing this lore? Like, come on. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. There's that, there's that Patton Oswalt joke of, like, I'm glad you like a book. I'm glad you're really into <laughs> a book, you know? But yeah. maybe don't take it so literal. You know, I, I mean, like, it's just... I hope it's a Danielle Steele novel in, like, a hundred years. I yeah. I hope it's a Tom Clancy somehow. It's just, it's just really nuts. I, I don't know. But the other side of it is you know, that just sort of uh, strident atheism that I don't know when that sort of picked up. But like, I mean, when like Ricky Gervais came along and was just like, oh God. I'm not a religious person and fuck God. And like, all, and just like thought he was like some cool badass for like 
pissing off religious people and making like atheism with a capital A a thing. It's just like, I don't like, that's just as obnoxious. And it's, it's like, didn't you work past this in like eighth grade? Like, right. didn't, didn't this already, like, didn't you like listen to Marilyn Manson for a summer and get it out of your system? Like kind of, can you grow up a little bit too? When, how have you not had it read at the time? Like I, I was like so frustrated with, that style at the time because it read like a lot of people had recently become atheist and that is just fine but the idea of like taking your discovery and immediately turning it and being like you should think it too just feels uh it just feels condescending un uh, unwise yeah i guess and i think maybe I, like you can relate it now to like maybe talking with someone who's across the political aisle from you right now and a lot of times there's it's a non-starter of a conversation because it's like look if you're not if you're not getting to the place that I am on your own I don't want to spend a lot of time you know if you're if you're not willing or coming to me I don't want to spend the time guiding you through these discoveries to be like oh, I I get it we are alone in the universe right. like, just take your time if you discover it on your own <clears throat> that's okay also if you don't discover it in your time that may mean nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like in the grand scheme of things, that could mean nothing. That could mean as little as me discovering my atheism. You know, it could, could all be, uh, you know, we may not make it out of climate change. I think uh, Keanu Reeves recently, there's like a meme of him. I mean, there's a ton of memes about Keanu, but like he, he had, deserves, he deserves it. He, he deserves, deserves it. it. He's very memeable. He's a, you know, he's just, he's Keanu. He's national mm -hmm. treasure. But he um, was talking about how, like, he's at the place in his life right now where he just doesn't argue with anybody. And he's like, <laughs> if somebody tells me two plus two equals five, I say, you're right. Have fun. <laughs> like, he just doesn't give a fuck. And it's great. Like, I mean, and, you know, like, some, some of that is like, well, also, you're so rich that nothing will material, uh, materially affect you. So if, like, people are very wrong about things, it, do it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to matter to you. But there are people right. who it has to matter to if they're wrong and they're fucking things up. You know, so, like, that's maybe the little bit of a difference there, but I don't know. But there's, a good there's a good nugget in there, too, I think, of just, like, how, I don't know, how short time is and how little many of these fights mean. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, ultimately I think it is our actions that are going to, that, that actions that will affect the world ahead of us that are the most meaningful things that we can do. And whether that's creating art, whether, I mean, dude, it's so weird. I swear it's, I, I can't believe he said something this beautiful, but I was watching a Hot Ones with Steve-O. <laughs> with steve-o he's been through and some shit i'm, I'm sure he's had dude, he's gained some insights it, it really was he said that his religion is living by the camera and it's this idea that the all that we have we we, we will are, are fleeting we will not exist our time is short and like the most you can do to exist from now is to for him is to constantly exist on camera to like constantly be doing something, performing, whether it's a stunt or a joke, just like always be speaking immortality through filming it and just writing it down somewhere. And yes, it will degrade, but like it's the closest thing that we have to living forever because his versions were people either want to have kids or they want to like have some huge accolade that they're remembered for, right. you know? And like his was like just, I wanted to exist through film constantly. 
I want I hundreds was... of years from now for me to for people to know who I was when they watch me stapling my nuts to my leg. Yes, <laughs> that's going to be my and legacy. This monument to man, to ancient man. They're gonna <laughs> and they're gonna be like they all lived this way. Every one of them. Every, like, so humans in the 20th century, they'd take their pants down on a rooftop and they'd put yep. bottle rockets in their buttholes <laughs> and light them off. This is just a ritual that they had based on the photographic evidence we have. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. But, but I, love, I love the mindset. I love the idea of just like finding sort of a, a new way, of, like a new religion now, like a new creed, I guess, that you can follow. That's not necessarily religious and isn't, you know, a bunch of positive. Like, I, I think I think the hunt for accolades yeah. is, um, I don't know. What's it doing for us? The hunt for achievement. You know, I want them and I'm even chasing them now. I feel like we all are. Sure. But the hunt, the hunt for achievement, um, will it will it take us to the spaceships that carry us across the galaxy? Like these personal accolades or will we have to forego that? to yeah. in some manner you know it's it's the the in, individuality is is this is this goes down a road where people are like he's about to become a fascist but i'm like individual individuality is expensive it is it is a resource heavy in its current form is a very resource heavy prospect hmm. you know expressing ourselves with purchases and yeah vacations yeah, this sort of thing. Um, this relates a little bit to the the film um, in terms of just believing in something really deeply. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that the whole world of cryptozoology and conspiracies and the X-Files and, you know, stuff like that has, has changed so much even in our lifetimes. If you go back and, like, watch, you know, yeah, stuff like the X-Files from the 90s. There is, you know... Yeah. It, there was this, uh, I don't know, that, that, that sort of fringe culture of, you know, the government's covering things up and there's aliens and there's Roswell and Area 51 and there's all these cryptoids and stuff like that uh, and the government doesn't want you to know. Somehow, recently, that's been sort of co-opted by, like, the right and is sort of moved into, like, that weird, like, QAnon shit. Oh, it's nuts. And using like the the Roman strategy of just being like, oh, your belief, you're in two. Your belief, yeah. you're in two. So it's just this big tent that includes every conspiracy known to man. Right, but I mean, like, I think you know, I just watched um, the QAnon documentary, the HBO one, and like, what I gained from it, what I gleaned from it, was that all of the like, so many of the people who follow it, um, they are dealing with unanswerable questions they're dealing with these questions of you know why aren't things like materially getting better for me why does there seem to be so much just completely uh uh you know so much corruption in government and in in the high echelons of society and it seems like these people are getting off scot-free and like there's so much impunity and there's just like it something has to be up with it and, like, I think a lot of people even personally are affected by, you know, like, childhood trauma and sexual abuse and things like that. So when you bring in things like, you know, uh, the, the child molestation, the pedophilia angle, um, that really resonates. That hits people really hard because it's a thing that they, 
like it's a fucked up thing that's happened to a lot of people and it's a yeah. fucked up and it's a thing that they can't really talk about in a lot of ways. Yeah. So like if if this movement comes along that's like we're going to fix this, we're going to answer that, then people glom onto that. But yeah. like once upon a time, you know, this was this seems just so much more innocuous. This seemed like just such a fun, you know, like conspiracy stuff in the 90s and even like the early aughts was just like silly stuff. It was so fun. Like it was fun because I remember I'm fortunate enough in this case to remember conspiracy theories before the internet was really scooping them up. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was fun because then it was just all lies. Anyone could tell you about it and just make up a story and yeah. you'd be like, I am going with it. That's nuts. This guy at the, you know, this guy who sits down there just told me all this shit and I kind of believe it because right. there's no way to disprove it. Then the internet started, you know, scooping it up a little bit and there were conspiracy theories, you know, like websites that were very murky in the mid 90s, like late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And then it wasn't really spreading. What really killed it, I think, was like, it jumping off of like those Chan boards, yeah. Chan, all of those, like when it moved off of that, that was when I was like, I, whenever and however that happened and like conspiracies went mainstream, I think. Yeah. That was, it's. I, I mean, I yeah, now it's like a, it's like a Joe Rogan thing. Like, and, and it yeah. just, he's so popular with all of these people who like, I just, I, I guess I see his appeal on some level, but like, I also, I listen to some of the stuff like, and, and so, like, you know, just people who are like into like modern day conspiracy stuff. And I'm just like, have you never been lied to before? Have you never right. like, have you never just like sat with like some like 25 year old, like stoner loser who has blacklight posters and tells you about like aliens and the Kennedy assassination and shit. It's just like, yeah, dude, like people will make shit up about the pyramids, about like whatever. Like it's all like, like you can't just believe everything. Oh, I don't understand. There's members of like my, my, my Catholic family that believe these things. And I'm like, you guys are kidding me, right? Of all people, you guys are believing this shit right now. Like that's insane. Guys, we were like, it's we were the absolute marks in our religion are you kidding we were so lied to like and the, like, the idea i guess that like they haven't picked up on it is i don't know here here i, I think conspiracy theories are centered in the idea of comfort yeah because it's comforting to think that there are simple solutions for complex problems what is upsetting to me still is that that's not the case is that it's just chaos and there's no real simple solution it's just a mess everything is just a mess and that's always how it will be and it's always how it's been and we're constantly trying to clean it up and it's always getting unclean it's like just everything and that's like hard to grasp because that means that you you will have little impact it can feel hard to have an impact on anything given that yeah. Because you're like, look, everything is constantly unfixing itself. What, what am I doing? And there's some simplicity to this idea that in conspiracy theories that there's a single source or a group that you could flip a switch somehow and it'd be fixed. And there's comfort in thinking, well, I'll go about my life because I know the truth. I know that there's a button that's not being hit. And that gives me moral, intellectual, whatever kind of superiority. I just 
feel good. I think, it, I, honestly, I think it just gives people that, like, a comfortable power. They're just like, I'm Neo. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm the hero of my story now. It's hard to, I mean, it's hard to go through, like, believing anything else. Because, I mean, how, how do you even, like, concentrate on just, like, your day-to-day of, like, whatever you're working at, like, a fucking bank or whatever, and you have to deal with, like, the fact that, like, not only is my job meaningless, but everything else around it is meaningless. This country, our species, this planet is just kind of nothing. It's all a big nothing, you know? And um, that's, you can't, like, that's very difficult to reckon with. And, you know, did you ever see, did you ever see I Heart Huckabee's? I have not. You haven't? Oh, man. It's no. great. Um, I have, you know, kind of mixed feelings on David O. Russell. Um, but he, like, I would recommend it because it's it's the story of this guy. He basically has these, like, two warring, like, philosophical teachers. Like, one of them's Dustin Hoffman and it's all about how, like, it's all, like, he's like a... Um, transcendentalist he's like it's all connected we're atomically connected to the stars the same thing that makes up the universe is within us and isn't that great and then there's like more of like a uh like an absurdist or i'm not sure like what philosophy school she really pulls from i I haven't actually read any i'm I'm kind of a dummy but like uh (laughs) she um she her whole thing is that like no it's nothing it's meaningless and there's there's most of us most of the universe, most of the cosmos is literally nothingness. Most of us on an atomic level is nothingness. Like the space between our atoms is, is nothing. It's all nothing. And you have to embrace that. And I remember seeing that and being like, and finding her really upsetting and like not wanting to think like that because like that was too depressing for like, when did that come out? When I was in like high school, I think. And, yeah. you know, and, and so like I wasn't ready to embrace that sort of level of not nihilism but just sort of you know albert camus existentialism absurdism of just like it's all a big joke right it's it's like a because at that point like when i when you go with that or sort of go down that road i have a hard time not becoming sort of hedonistic in a way Mm -hmm. or sort of turning you know how do i call my i feel my impulses really coming out at that point i'm like when we render all meaning out of it then i'm like well well then we can get you know why don't we let these intrusive thoughts through why don't we you know let's steal a car let's like that sort of mindset like and not that that mindset is bad i just I, i i feel similar and i think in acknowledging it because it can be for me, it can be so depressing. For me, that it, it takes away. I, I'm like, where's? How can we apply a moral code to this? Yeah. This is hard. This is hard. It, it's all nothing. Like the stardust stuff. I'm like, yes, we're all stardust. We're all connected. Let's build from here. And then the other side of it, it's just that's so hard because I'm like, maybe we should just stop talking and walk into the ocean. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, how do you not just, like, completely, you know, knowing that it, it's a zero-sum game, why not just do heroin? Why not right, just, like, exactly. why not just exactly. fucking, like, lose yourself in, like, black tar heroin and just, like, and just drop out of everything? Like, why yeah, not? Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to gamble it all at a casino. Let's go. I mean, let's, yeah, it's, 
I mean, and here's the thing. I think, like, immediately my other impulses would set in and be like, no. And, like, you know, you'd set boundaries for yourself. But it's just a hard, it's a hard philosophy to ponder. Hmm. Hmm. Um, have you dealt with, you know, just, like, straight up uh, mental illness, mental, you know, depression, anxiety, anything like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I found out that I had been depressed for when I went to the therapy recently. Pretty much, it's like, like, like almost immediately into it, they were like, you're depressed. Yeah. Like, they were just like, just so you know, like, let's get it out of the way. Like, you're depressed. That's okay. But um, I, and I was like, oh, I've been feeling the way I just described since I was like 10. Right. That's my baseline, <laughs> baby. Yeah, I yeah. was like, I kind of thought that's like, we're not all doing that. Like, maybe, maybe all of the time. And then you get like that look sometimes from a therapist where they're like, no. <laughs> they're like, yeah. Like, they're trying to say no calmly, but they're like, no, you should not always be sad. Um, like, you shouldn't always be working away from that. So I realized it. You know, I, it's, it's a, it's not everyone may love the series. I thought it was pretty good. But there was a really good image in the Haunting of Hill House, I think it was. Did you see that series? I haven't. I've heard about Netflix. it. Yeah. It was good. Uh, you know, it does some stuff with mental illness, so I can see how there might be some controversial points on it. You know, I can see why it's not for everyone. So there's, like, that warning. You know, if you have, if you have any, like, mental health issues, definitely take that warning before you watch it because it is about that. Um, I don't think in a distasteful way, but I also don't feel that I necessarily am the one to be like, I'm, I can say that. Um, but at, there's a moment where he is it's about a lot of drug use too. And there's a moment where he keeps turning the corner. The, uh, one of the characters keeps turning the corner cause he's kind of sort of relapsing and he's being haunted by a ghost his whole life. That's why he uses drugs and he turns the corner and about 50 yards back is this ghost that's t hovering one foot in the air. That's like, and he's out on the street and the ghost only he can see it. And it's like 40 yards away. And then he panics and he can just feel it. He knows it's there. It's been there his whole life. Mm. And then he like runs like 30 yards and turns. And then it's like 10 yards behind him now. And he right. keeps doing it. And he doesn't ever have to look. He just knows that it's there. And he's like getting like angrier, like, like more and more upset that it's closer and closer. And you get the experience that he's haunted by it. But it's also very familiar to him. Right. And I was like, this is one of the best I feel visual representations of like depression yeah that i've ever seen yeah like the way that you're like it's fucking it's fucking there it's relentless it. it's yeah, like t1000 like, it just keeps following you and changing oh, shape yeah. and like and like there you are like at the peak like yeah. just like whoa i just climbed the summit i'm on top like look at me just like mount olympus up here and then you just turn the corner and he's like hey yeah. um so like he's like just so you know I'm going to be waiting in the bathroom and you will have to show up there eventually. Yeah. Like, it's he's nuts. Just like, yeah. And yeah. he's like, I'll see you there. Cause I know you'll be there. Like you're always there. Like I'm always, it's just like you said, it's relentless. And that, did, did you see it follows? Uh, no, no, no. Is that, is that, does that a it's similar? kind of a similar vibe. Yeah. It's like some, like it's a curse or like this, like aberration that just follows okay. you and like takes different forms and like, you can't, you can't outrun it, but it like walks slowly towards you and it, if it catches you, you're dead. But like the, it, but it's just always slowly like lurching towards you. It's very the relatable. Of, the trope of the curse that follows the character, maybe Final Destination even. The trope yeah. of the curse that follows the main character 
that damages the people around them, mm-hmm. I always thought was uh, was mental health working its way or like, you know, a personality, someone how someone felt about their personality or their mental health issue and how it affected those around them. I always thought that like that curse yeah. and uh, the curse following and hurting those around someone while they're trying to put it out uh, sort of trope was, it always felt like that. Like that was mental health sort of writing its way through people, whether people knew it or not. That always yeah. felt like something I was like, I feel like this is people's mental health issues coming into it. And not in like a, a bad way, like in a really cool way. You can, you can see it. Your character, the protagonist of this movie, um, you know, he's a sort of frustrated journalist. It's, you know, it's obviously like a very, like a, a, a sort of a, a, a take, a, a parody, a lampooning of, of vice. Um, yes. And, you know, sort of like the douchey millennial, um, uh, uh, clickbaity kind of exploitative uh, media that's come along in our generation. Um, but I think what it also touches on is this very millennial frustration because our, our whole generation has been taught from day one, if you do what you love, you will never work a day in your life and all that shit. And like, that sounds great in theory, but like some of us have passions and, and vocations that you can't monetize. Indie filmmaking, comedy, podcasting you it's very very rare to monetize that stuff so you have to have some sort of other job in the meantime usually unless you're a rich kid and then that's that whole other thing of just like okay so you got like the fucking duplass brothers who like grew up rich and their parents financed their movies and like good for them i guess they you know like they made good shit with it but it's also like we can't all do that and so like he's so your character is so frustrated throughout the whole movie because he wants to be something he wants to you know he wants his work to make him important in some way you know and like that's the way that he's grasping for some sort of existential significance is through uh you know through through his work and um you know but then there's that other character i forget his name the the like kind of the the like black stoner character who's just like having a good time all the uh, time dollars yeah um and he's just you know like th- i thought that that was a great uh dichotomy because meeting those people if you are somebody who is really frustrated and is you feel like you're just spinning your wheels and then you see those people who just seem to have just have an easy time <laughs> And they're just like, yeah, man, it's chill, man. I just, I just eat and I fuck and I smoke weed and it's great. Yeah. They just, they're, they're, it's, it's, it happens. It's happened around me actually so many times and I don't want to name names because there's no way it can come off as anything but negative from this perspective. Right. But it's actually happened around me now and like, like levels of success that like, I would say, let's just say TV show half a million followers yeah uh these are like different people um broadway star like a couple of things like that and it's it's on one hand for the, the for the first part they are my friends and i'm just so excited to see them excel yeah. but to see this sort of like like i don't know momentum build and at a certain point it just seems at least and i, I don't know if it is this way but it seems like it tips and I'm like, you went from, like, getting booked barely 
to now you're booked up for a year and you're getting called. Like we went from zero to a thousand. Yeah. Like you, you went overnight to a different career and I, I have to like, I have to be honest to my feelings. There's absolutely jealousy that comes up and like, like social media makes it so much worse. It sucks because that. it sucks. Because, and, and especially because I noticed I use social media in a way, sort of like a, like a snack when I'm down. Mm-hmm. So I hop on Instagram when I'm like, ugh, that was a tough moment at work. Then I hop on Instagram and someone's like, you're not going to believe it. Guys, I just doubled my success. I'm like, I, this is the wrong time. Right. I wish I could have like, I wish I could have like seen them and they told me. Cause then I would have like hugged them and been like, yes. And like, we would have celebrated. And somehow through this medium, I feel that I like behind this screen, I feel I can't be the grateful person for their success that I am. Yeah. I'm like, just like reduced to this, just like scowling little goblin who's like frustrated that this other person got success, which feels terrible. Yeah. It feels like, it feels so negative. This is capitalism right? pitting us against each other, our own Absolute. friends. Yeah. And they're not even thinking about me. And I'm over here like, well, if maybe they, I'm legitimately almost saying the sentence, if they had less success, I'd have more. Yeah. Which is like, like you just said, it's, it's. It's a zero-sum pitting us against each other game. It's a nightmare. How do you um, manage your anxieties around that? Or, or your, like, how do you de- manage your depression? Uh, well, I tried to... Well, therapy. That's mm-hmm. the first one. I want to say what kind of therapy are you doing? Uh, just counseling. I just went to mm-hmm. uh, like a counseling group, and I got a counselor, and then... I also, How long have you been doing that? Uh, a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped going to one recently, and I'm going to be getting another one. But uh, went for a couple of years, and it's just a lot of. I I didn't realize that I was not putting a lot of words together for how I felt about things, and I kind of thought I was. Like you know, in the same way you learn that you have depression, and you're like, "What? That's just thinking." <laughs> I kind of had been like thinking in images and like projecting images of you know my life as it would be or my life as it was and I'd mourn about that thing and I really wasn't putting words to it and when someone was just like what are you seeing right now like and gave me that space to be like just it just say what you're thinking you know they didn't say just say it but they were like do you want to say what you're just thinking right when I just said that and like when I had that space finally Cause I was like really nervous about that space. Like I couldn't do it with like, I'm not the type of person to be like in a relationship and really just jump into that. It's really hard for me. So having like a space to do that and be like, okay, well I'll just say what I've been thinking for like 25 years. Um, that changed a lot. Cause one, I wasn't scared of a lot of it. I was like, I'd say it and I'd be like, Oh, it's gone. Like that was, yeah, that was clogged in my head. For That's like what's crazy like, about like so many of those anxieties. Like if you just say it out loud, then it just sort of dissipates, and then it's it just so seems, weird. and then it just seems silly. Like five seconds later, you're like, oh, you're like, like I was like, like literally nauseous, stomach in knots, <laughs> like really 
upset about this and then I and like I've been holding on to it for like the better part of a year and then I finally just said it out loud to somebody and they were just like what it, it's fine and then that's yeah, it yeah. and then it's over that that part where they're like that's okay yeah they're like it is they're like yeah it's you know you 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 just explained it to me that's fine yeah I'm like oh okay I guess I I somehow however I grew up thought that that would never happen hmm. that I would just always think a thought and it would be Maybe it's that Catholic thing going on, but that just the thought would be mine and I would just like bottle yeah. it up and die with there it. There does tend to, there does seem to be, I, I know a lot of people who are, you know, like former Catholics and I know a lot of people who are not even like really like practicing Catholics at any point, but they were raised by Catholic parents or in like a Catholic culture. And yeah. the common thread is always like, oh, I bottle up my anxieties and I just have like, crazy diarrhea or I like you know I or I have all of these like crazy you know sexual hang-ups about my like you know my desires that I feel weird about and I can't tell anyone about and then like once I finally do I go fucking buck wild but like you know or or I have this like sense of shame around like my body and it's you know it's it's looks it smells it's whatever that like i i don't know where it comes from and it's like it's always catholicism it's always always it's always the religious thing and it's it's particularly catholicism that i think like creates this weird shell of guilt i don't know what it is there's something about i think the way that the culture overlaps into how you live Mm -hmm. because it's not like there are like a lot of this is how you must live always like through these virtues and not to dish on any other religions, but sometimes I felt as a Catholic kid growing up that the feeling I had where I was like, can y'all believe this stuff that we're believing? That like other, I guess other religions, maybe Baptists sort of were on that level. We're on that level of like, yeah, man, we're just sort of like, like we believe it, but like, you know, we're not, we're just kind of like having fun out here too. Right. Like that sort of like, it wasn't quite as like heavy handed and they could sort of like exist outside of the church as whatever, as long as they just sort of went and, you know, like did their thing and sort of like, you know, had a general kind of conversation with God going on, you know, yeah. kind of in a lot of the way, I think a lot of people probably interpret a lot of Italian Catholics mm-hmm. uh, where it's not this like, except for their, like it's not necessarily like super, super devout. There's like a culture sometimes of, I think the term is just a little bit. I'm some, I'm someone's going to be mad. I'm butchering that. But it's this term sort of of being like just respecting the religion yeah. enough to be it, but not necessarily like holding your whole life according to this. Yeah. Uh, I really, sometimes I was jealous of like, you know, kids of other religions or kids being raised in, raised in other religions because I felt that. It's a very intense one. And it's very like, yeah. it's kind of metal almost. And it's like in its imagery, yes. like the saints and like all the, like the martyrs and like, they're like tortured to death and like, you know, like really devout Catholics will have these like giant statues of Jesus nailed to the cross and there's like blood and gore on them. And it's just like, this oh, is yeah. like, this is some crazy shit. Oh yeah, you really want to get into if you really wanted to get into Catholic lore, you died in a bad, bad way. Yeah, that was that was how you got in because like I just remember the stories like when they were going through the different saints when they were like here's so and so and you're like oh he did some nice stuff and they're like and then he was splayed on a wheel for seven days you're like yeah. geez okay knew that was yeah. coming then she had her tits <laughs> cut off then he was yeah. burned at the stake like it's always yeah. it's Boiled so alive. violent yeah just always and then you're like yep 
Yep, knew it. It's we're, that's what we're here for. <laughs> um, so, can you talk a little bit about? Uh, you have muscular dystrophy or some form of mus- muscular yes, dystrophy. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah, talk talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I have a form of uh, it's called fasciosscapulohumeral muscular dystrophy. I won't say it again. It's a mouthful. Uh, the term is usually FSH, but within muscular dystrophies, actually there's so many subsets that I don't even really bother with that. Right. I just don't really feel, for my part, I don't necessarily ever feel like putting in effort for like a, in a pedestrian way, putting in an explanation to this. Right. Just because someone's like, oh, tell me, like, I'll absolutely explain it to children. Right. I will absolutely give all the time of day to children because they are absolutely asking because they want to know. Right. Um, sometimes I've noticed that like when adults bring it up in conversation, especially casually, and especially I'm like, I will never bring it up at like a bar or any, I'll just be like, shut up. Yeah. Someone like I've noticed this thing where people will like lower their, they'll be like, Oh, Oh, I'm like, why did your voice get so what, right? What is the condescension. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not, I didn't say I was mentally handicapped. What are you doing? Like, yeah. it's a weird, like, all of a sudden, I can tell from some weird behavior that somehow the the, the perspective camera of their life just did a little adjustment, yeah. just to shift to the left. And now I'm like, look, I don't want any part, because people's issues with disability, and this took me so long to get to, uh, People's issues with disability are 100% their insecurities with the idea that they are not going to be perpetually able-bodied. It is completely centered in the idea that that could happen to me. The anxiety around it, the seeing of it, really disabled people, I think you're going to find, you know, of course there's insecurity, and I don't want to speak too much for others, but... For the most part, I would say we're over what is happening or has happened to us. Uh, and I don't want to like, like it, that hap- it gets easier as you get older, you process it better. But in terms of like the immediate ramifications, say how I'm going to get through my day, we've dealt with that. We've been dealing with it and we deal with it when no one's looking. Right. And then there's this event where people sort of see it in public. And, you know, when someone is, staring or condescending or just really doing any or even you know even saying gross maybe even laughing at it yeah all of it comes i've realized from that person's own like when someone laughs at it when someone thinks it's weird when someone is inquisitive in a very very weird condescending way you know sort of maybe that like what someone might think of as that like way too liberal sort of thing when they're like no no i understand i understand you're like stop right. just don't just don't please don't yeah there is that overcorrecting kind of yeah. thing where it's just like oh you're so brave like that yeah shit. oh yeah you're like oh I, I didn't mean that i didn't mean this i didn't mean that i'm like you didn't care until five seconds ago so just go back to what you were doing it's fine right like i don't i don't need you to change who you are uh if you were shitty you were shitty when i wasn't looking too. like so it's not it's not going to change now but that like I guess that it's, it's so rooted in, I, I think there'd be a tremendous step for the disability rights movement, whatever you want to call it, for, for architectural design, for the way we see the world, if we understood that able-bodiedness is temporary. 
mm. for everyone. Yeah. Able-bodiedness is a condition. Disability is guaranteed wow. for everyone. It is not guaranteed. It's able-bodiedness is not. But I promise you, and everyone knows this, lives their whole life knowing this, that there's going to be a point when they try to get up from their chair and they go, God damn it. Yeah. That was it. Or they are lying down and they go, that was the last time I got up. Yeah. Like that happens and everyone knows that moment is coming. And that, that is all of someone's issues and that condescension and that weirdness. All of it is just shooting out in that moment of yeah. like of weird, of, of like their, of their insecurity about it. They're dealing with it like right then. And they don't know how, like they, I, 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 I almost in some of those moments when it continues, want to be like, Hey, you need to talk to someone about this. And it's not me. Right. Like if you're, if you're this weird about whatever you think about me, you definitely need to go talk to someone about this because it's going to be a nightmare for you when it happens. Right. Like you're, you're going to have a mental breakdown. Right. You better hope you... that you die suddenly in a car accident or something, you know, absolutely die able body. A knee injury is going to send, you are going to freak. Like it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's all. And, and, but that has also lightened it up for me a lot too. Yeah. Because now I realize that I'm just like, it's just weirdos. It's just weirdos. Like it's weirdos who stare. It's, it's really people who I'm like, damn, like a lot of people have not dealt with this part of themselves and they need to. Yeah. They really need like for their own selves, just for themselves, not for, it'd be nice for me and for others, but just for themselves, they need to look into why they are terrified of what I represent to them. You, uh, maybe this sounds, this maybe sounds weird, but you seem fairly able-bodied for the yes. most part. Um, yes. in terms of, you know, like muscular dystrophy can be like completely debilitating. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, yeah it's, it, it, in a lot of cases, it's a terminal illness. Yeah. Um, when were you diagnosed? Uh, my sister was diagnosed. My mom was diagnosed around like 35 ish. Mm -hmm. Then she had already had kids by that point. So she didn't, it wasn't a factor in her decision making. So she had already had four kids at that point. Right. And then she found out and then my, and then as soon as she found out, I was like four, mm. like three, I think. So as soon as she found out, all, we were all tested and me and my sister were diagnosed and my brother and I were not. Or no, me and me and I, my sister and I have it. My other sister and my brother do not. There we go. What would you say would be like the biggest impact that it's like had on you and your, and you know, your growth, your development? It, oh, a lot of anger. You know, like, like, that's what I think it comes down to is a lot of anger, just a lot of, a lot, a lot. It's hard to understand this, especially as like a young person. It's really, really hard. You know, like this, these atheist ideas we talked about give me a lot of comfort because I understand that given that maybe the universe is a little bit cruel, I don't feel that it's being cruel to me. Right. I don't, like, I don't feel slighted. I'm not like, why, like, you know, sometimes... Right, you're not like, why, why God, why? You're like, it, it just, shit happens. Like, yeah, I drew a I'm short like straw. You yeah, know? it just spun out this way. Um, it just, yeah, it just happens. Like, it's not, and, and like, lots of people drew straws different ways. Um, so it just, it, it happens like this. Um, I guess 
yeah, there's there's something about like I think a young person that's it's very hard on a young person. Right. And I'd I'd love to do more. Seriously, through like my filmmaking, I'd love to do more because I know these these. I say seriously because I think a lot of times these packages, like people, these messages can get packaged in a way where they're like, I'd love to do more to give recognition to the homeless community. And I'm like, do you? Do you really? Like, do <laughs> Yeah, because really most of those it? people who say that live in L.A. where like right. it's a pro- like it's on your fucking doorstep. You could be doing something about it right now. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't have to do film. And I'm like, I'm not saying don't do film, but don't be like, I'm a saint through my film. Like, don't don't right. do that. That's, sure. that's, that's a lot. It's a huge claim. What I would like to do is introduce more kids to the idea that there are people who look and act and talk like them and yeah. feel and go with go through what they're going through and that these characters aren't really tokenized. Yeah. That these characters are sort of living an authentic journey of their own. You know, I don't want to like Yeah, I, yeah, I guess I do want them. They 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 want to like you want them to characterize like a three-dimensional life that's full of choices that aren't necessarily and could, but could be dependent on their disability. Right. You know, it, it does factor in because it's going to be part of their life. But I love the idea of characters that we introduce and meet that aren't necessarily there because they're disabled. They just happen to be. Right. It's just part of the story. Right. It's just part of it's just that they hit that they are. And it's not, you know, if they weren't, it wouldn't necessarily affect the plot, but they're just here because this is more like the real world. You know, we're trying to chase realism in a lot of these films or suggest reality. And growing up, I pretty much only saw able-bodied people everywhere in yeah. everything. Yeah, Even I mean, like, I'm trying people. to think, like, the first time, like, I mean, there's, what, the son, uh, Walt, I think his name is, from, not Walt, yeah. uh, the kid, the Walt Jr., the, from, from Breaking Bad. You know, yeah. and like it, it's it's mentioned that he has that he has CP, but like it's they don't make a big deal out of it, and he's just a character. No. And it's, no, it was did, just like I, well. I thought that was pretty well handled. We just watched um, my girlfriend and I just rewatched. I don't know why we chose to do this. I think I was just morbidly curious about how cringe it would be. We just watched I Am Sam, the fucking like that uh, like nineties Sean is. Penn movie, and like that sent us on this rabbit hole of like all of the like those nineties you know like mentally uh, challenged people like in their story of heroism and like. I know that the filmmakers really thought that they were doing something really progressive and like really doing something to champion these people, but it comes off as just like a nightmare to watch. Is, I mean, it is it just is like awful. my jaw was on the floor. Yeah, like it is, it is so beyond tone deaf. Like it is so like hilariously tone deaf. Yeah. Like I can't believe, like to, to go back on it now, I'm like, if I, if I were part of Paramount, whatever it was, like, if I were like an exec there, I'd be like, can, is there any way that we could maybe bury it? Like, yeah. Just, like maybe we yeah, could? Yeah, scrub like, it. No, it's it's just on fucking, it was, I think so it was on, now. it was on HBO Max. It's just like, yeah. it's just on there. You can just watch it. And yeah, it's like just like, like how is this not, how is this not like blackface? This is just like insane. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's super condescending and it's still happening to this day. And if you really, really want to have fun with it, have you seen the Gary Oldman midget no um, sorry a little person i don't i don't mean to it's use okay. terms i'm not i'm not well versed on terms you're canceled like yeah just no i mean i'm trying to trying to use the right term i, I do i do want to respect yeah 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 but like i it's it he plays a little person in it and 
Gary Oldman is not a little person. No. And the plot, it's like watching the trailer is I'm uh, my brain melts out of my eardrums. It is wow. like, and and he's like an actor who's like I transform yeah. those roles. I'm like too much. Too much yeah, I mean, people have issues with Tropic Thunder and like Robert Downey Jr. doing blackface and like stuff like that. But like, I, I get the joke and like, I kind of think that like it almost works because like that's what it's making fun of is these Hollywood actors yeah. who think that they can just take on any role and do anything like that, and it's really not okay. And there's like the other black character in the movie is just like, no, this isn't cool. Like you're not right. fucking okay doing this. And like the, you know, like never go full retard thing. Like is is just like that's how they approach it. Is just like it's just a like a uh, 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 accolades thing for them. You know, it's just right. a like it's yeah. an acting challenge. Well and that gives you the that's that's shows you it's context. Yeah. With if you establish like and not if you it it is appropriate, I think, for the context. The yeah. context there is Hollywood actors are insane and will do anything to sell a movie. All right, I'm getting a note from our producers that we gotta we gotta wrap up. But this was okay. this was All really right. lovely, man. Um, I had a great time. Yeah, um, thank can, you so much. I really appreciate it. This was great, man. Uh, where can people uh, find your work? Uh, watch this movie. Uh, follow you. Whatever. Yeah, May 7th on demand. You can check it out. iTunes, Google Play, Amazon. 15 things you didn't know about Bigfoot. Number one will blow your mind. Uh, you guys check it out. Please buy it. If you listen to this, you pretty much have already bought it by now. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Brian Emond. Uh, also look up Bigfoot 15 movie on Instagram. Follow that. Uh, follow more updates and we're releasing some content through there. So check it out. All right. Well, great, man. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Brian Eamond. Cool-ass dude. Funny guy. Go see that movie. 15 Things You Didn't Know About Bigfoot. Number one will blow your mind. Uh, and by go see it, I mean go to your living room and sit down and watch it. Because that's what, that's, it's going to be it's gonna be on demand. And you got a TV. Or go over, go over to a friend's house if you're vaccinated. Watch it there. Have a laugh together, you know? Have some popcorn, talk about your feelings, talk about the movie after you watch it. Just like old times. Patreon.com slash self-worst. Bonus content is happening. I'm making bonus content. I'm doing it. I'm going to release a, a, a longer, uncut interview from previous guest Nick Flanagan. That's coming out soon. Going to do more of my Depression Bangers series. That's all premium content that you're missing out on if you're not paying me. Fuck you. Sorry. I got to make money somehow. I'm a dog walker. Okay? You know what? You know how well that pays? Not well. You know how expensive it is to live in New York? Expensive. We got a bottom line here. We live in capitalism. I don't like it. But unless y'all want to like join me with like fucking pitchforks and torches and guillotines, this is this is the fucking life we're living right now. This is the system we're under. So what's up? Patreon.com slash self-worst. Music is by Shea Bartel. Thank you, Shea. That's it. 
I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you. Bye.